You know, I was so honored when, uh, when Pastor asked me to, to teach this morning. I was uh, really excited because, you know, it, it, it means a lot. Uh, it's the first time that they've been uh, gone as a family from the church. And, and like, like Dave mentioned, they, it's so good that they have this time to get away and rest because Pastor works so hard. You, you wouldn't believe it, how, how hard he works. And so uh, we're just honored that he has that, that time to get away and get refreshed and get filled up. And we just believe that when he comes back, he's going to come back full of the Holy Ghost even more and just full of life. So as he mentioned, this morning I'm going to teach on a new creation, who we are in Christ. And praying about it uh, this morning on the way in, uh, Leah was Leah's praying with me also, and it just something rose up in me that I didn't have in my notes, and, and he just reminded me of something that really made me laugh and smile, so I'm like, man, I gotta, I gotta add that in there, but, but what he said to me was, it's what's inside that matters as far as new creation. Um, so I know most people in here probably remember when the new computers started coming out, there was a big ad campaign that said Intel inside. So every computer out there had Intel inside. And then also, this one's for Dave, but the ad campaign, yeah, it's got a Hemi. <laughs> and those ad campaigns are huge because, because the outside doesn't really look that much different. But the inside has changed dramatically. So with computers, you know, that's, that's, my, that's my world, that's where I live, is, is computing and everything like that, doing software. And, you know, there's not a lot that you can see different in a computer. Some people look at a computer and they're like, yeah, it's the same. Well, this week we had a recycling, a tech recycling event at our work. And we had, we're, we're cleaning stuff out, and we actually had a computer that was like one of the first... Intel Pentium 4 chips, which probably means absolutely nothing to most of you, but it's, it was like a new technology and processing. And when, they sent, when, when we got the computer from IBM, they actually had a sign, a non-disclosure, saying we couldn't take this computer apart, we couldn't give it away, we couldn't sell it or anything like that. Now, that was probably 15 years ago, but like when we recycled it, we're like, man... This is pretty amazing. This computer, it, it was a, a you know, first-class, one-of-its-kind unit when it first came out. And we're, you know, we're pulling, pulling all these computers apart because we, we had to destroy the hard drives and everything like that when we, when we got rid of them. But it's like every computer looks, looks about the same, but what's inside can be dramatically different. And we had a lot of heavy, heavy computing uh, computers. So that's just to set up new creation. It's, it's what's inside that's important. So first I want to take a look at 2 Corinthians 5.17. And Pastor read this uh, in his offering message. I'm going to read it from the Amplified Version. And I apologize. I didn't, most of the, my scripture references are from the Message Bible. And we don't have that, uh, the Message Bible for Pro Presenter yet. So unfortunately... 
Uh, we, I couldn't get the, the scriptures in for you, but if you want to jot down references, it's, it's always helpful. I know it is for me when I go back and look. So 2 Corinthians 5.17 in the Amplified Bible says, Therefore, if any man, any person, is engrafted into Christ, he is a new creation, a new creature altogether. The old spiritual condition has passed away. Behold, the fresh and new has come. And that, that verse has, has ministered so much to me over the years because, because it's, you are a new creature altogether, something that has never before existed. The moment you get born again, the moment you get saved, you become something, someone who has never before existed because you have Christ living inside of you. We, uh, this spring, we bought a bunch of um, uh, fruit trees and each of those fruit trees, as I, was, as I was looking at them and everything, and as I was studying how to plant them, I learned that fruit trees are usually grafted into a certain type of root structure. So they do that in order for the tree to be more robust or healthier. So some of these trees, they didn't want them to grow real big, so they, they graft them into a dwarf root structure. So the tree maintains a smaller size and it doesn't get overly large. Now in that case, they grafted that so that the the trees wouldn't get larger. But in this case, the Bible says we are engrafted into Christ Jesus and have his life now living in us. So again, it's what's inside that matters because now all that life, all that power that's coming up on the inside of us is coming directly from God. It's coming from your life in Christ. Colossians 3.3 3 says, and I believe uh, this is the Blackwelder's edition, uh, version of, of the Bible. And I get this, Pastor Mark has an amazing study tool called the Scripture Study Guide. And he, what he has done over the years is compiled you know, hundreds of different versions of the Bible and then cross-reference them. So when you're, when you're studying when I, when I study a verse, I can look at all these different translations, and everyone kind of, you know, it, it means the same, but it's just slightly different wording, and that's why I love the Message Bible, because it speaks a lot to me, and then as I'm reading it, I know the Message Bible is sort of a loose paraphrase, so I always go back to a, a version of the Bible that I can, you know, trust as far as, like, doctrinally, but I love just being able to look and compare at different, different translations. But Colossians 3.3 says, For you died in your identification with his death, and your, your life, which is the result of his resurrection, is hidden with Christ in God. So Colossians 3.3, Paul is telling us exactly what happened. When we, how we died with Christ how we identified with Christ in his death, and then our new life, that's a result of his resurrection. And the Bible talks frequently about how we are raised to life again in Christ Jesus. When he rose from the dead, we rose with him. So wanted to go over a couple of things like, like what does it mean to die? So I looked it up. I'm like, you know, obviously death is death. We all kind of know that. But I found this, this definition a little interesting. It says, the permanent ending of vital process. 
So a permanent end, meaning it can't pop up again. You know, when, when somebody has died and they got to go to the hospital, sometimes they're able to resuscitate them and they use, they use a lot of technology, they use paddles, they use life support and everything. And so death is inevitable once you reach that point of, of no return where they cannot res- resuscitate them again. So death is a permanent end. So when we go back and think about it, you died with Christ. Your spiritual being had a permanent ending the moment you got born again. The moment you asked Jesus to come live in your heart, your old spirit, your natural spirit, died. There was a permanent end to that spirit. So you are a new creation in Christ. It's not you don't slip back in, in, back in and out of that new creation. You are a new creation in Christ. And that new creation, you know, it's a, it's a challenge because we are, we are a three-part being. We are a spirit. That's who we are. We are spiritual people created in the likeness and image of God, that he is a spirit. And so when he created us, he created us spirit beings. The problem is we live in this body. You know, as a, as a spirit being, we can't just float around everywhere and, you know, you wouldn't really be able to get anything done. So we live in this body, and this body, this flesh that we live in, still has natural and fleshly desires. So Paul talks a lot about that, how we, how as a spirit being, a new creation being, we still war against this world in the, in the natural realm because we live in this body. And as we... As we go along, there's a verse that, that I read to the kids quite often in teaching because I love to teach them on this. You know, this, this message has impacted my life so much. So I'm like, I, when we do family devotions and everything, I'll teach a lot on this just because I, I enjoy it. So when we get down, I'll, I'll, you'll, you'll hear it. You'll hear the excitement in my voice. But So how do we receive this new life? We receive this new life by faith. As pastor was teaching us, even, even during offering, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not yet seen. And I wrote down in my notes one time as I was studying out faith, faith is the subs- substantiation of the things that we hope for. So it's like a bringing into existence the things that we hope for. And so we receive this new life by faith because you don't always feel a change when you get born again. You don't, act, you don't necessarily feel that you are a new recreated spirit being on the inside. So we, we accept this by faith, believing that what God says has come to pass. So the old you, what did, what did we get rid of and how can we tell if somebody is old or new, uh, the old you, Paul talks about, is a selfish or self-focused you. So quite often when we see somebody who has not yet accepted Christ or who's, who's far away from God, you know, they're, they might be living a, a, a good moral life, as the world would say, but they're not necessarily living a life pleasing to God. They're not, they're not living a life full 
full for God. They might be self-focused. They might be self-motivated to, to increase in their business or increase something. Paul said, the old life is a life shaped by things and feelings instead of God. And that's from Colossians 3.5 uh, in the Message Bible. That's a couple verses after what, what I just read about our death and our resurrection with Christ. But Paul defines it. He said an, an unrecreated life is a life shaped by things or feelings and not shaped by God. So this new life is shaped by God. I loved... Uh, <laughs> When I first met Pastor Tim, I had never heard of Rhema. I'd never heard of Brother Hagin. I'd never really heard of the term word of faith. So we went to a, a spirit-filled church, and my wife and I had been filled with the spirit. But, like, I knew that there was something more. And so when, I, I truly believe that when, when we met Pastor Tim... And Melody, like it was, a, it was a God moment. It was a God-orchestrated thing for us to meet them. But I, I always say, I made the mistake of asking him, do you know of any really good preachers you know, that believe more along the lines of like the word of faith and, and that kind of thing? Because when he, would, when he would talk and when he would teach, it was just slightly different than what I had remembered hearing. And so I, I, I say I made the mistake, but, but he told me, when I asked him about that, he said, yeah, there's a, there's a preacher who puts every message that he ever puts up online for free, so you can go online and download it. He's like, that's Keith Moore, if you, if you look up his website. And so I looked it up, and I mean, I just, I downloaded almost everything he had, filled up an iPad, iPod, and I worked in a factory at that point where I pushed a button. Pretty, pretty mindless work. So I, I say that's my pre-Bible school because I would listen to Keith Moore eight hours a day, almost every day of the week. I'd just listen, listen, listen. And it was, it was amazing. I heard things that I never heard before. And one of those specific things, and this is what I'm coming around to, is he, he talked about how you as a, as a natural being, you can tend to have what he defined as a poverty mentality. He said, he said some, of, some of the things that you collect or store over the years, he said, you collect those things and then you save them and you don't want to get rid of them because you're afraid that in, in the future you might need those things again. And I'm like, oh my gosh, that's me. <laughs> that is so me. So like that, it kind of showed me, it defined me that man, there, there's a lot of things in me that I do on the natural side because I'm afraid that, you know, whatever, God, God won't provide it in the future. But he said, he said that's kind of a poverty mentality in that if you, if you think that this broken down computer that you can't throw away that you're going to need someday... Well, by the time you need it, it's going to be completely outdated and useless for what you're trying to do. So he said it's better to, to you know, if, if it's trash, if it's clutter or whatever, get rid of it and then believe God when you do need something because then it's going to be up to date and it's going to be exactly what you need for that situation. And so, so I said all that to say, like, as the old man, 
the old man has these tendencies of not trusting in God or trying to do things its own way. Which brings me to the second point of the old man. The old man is going to tend to religion. And, you know, that's, that can be kind of a shaky word sometimes to use the word religion because if you saw somebody and they, and they didn't know anything about you or anything, they say, are you religious? And you're like, well, what does that mean? I go to church, but I'm not, I wouldn't consider myself religious because I have a relationship with God. But religion, Paul makes a very distinct difference in there is religion is like a, a set of rules or regulations that bring you to God. So Galatians 2.20, Paul says, I tried keeping the rules and working my head off to please God, and it didn't work. So I quit being a lawman so that I could be God's man. And that's, that's really, I love that that the message translation of that verse because it said, you know, I tried doing it. I tried working my head off. I tried, you know, I set a schedule of reading my Bible and prayer and like I had this formula all set up so that I could do things to please God. Well, if you need a schedule or you need time to set aside, that's great. But that formula, there is no formula to get to God except you come before him and you get into his presence and you love him. And, and so now, like, I, I say that because that's the way I was. I was like, man, I, gotta, I have to do this, I have to do this, I have to do this. Well, no, you don't have to, you get to. It's not that you have to read your Bible or have to pray, but you get to, and you get those times that you spend with God. And so, yes, it's important to me, so I schedule those in my, I do that first thing in the morning because, because they're so valuable to me. And it's not, about, it's not about a rule that you have to do this or working, as I love how Paul said it, he said, working my head off to please God. I guess Paul didn't actually say those words, but uh, an author thought that was a good way of putting it, and, and it worked for me because I'm like, man, that, that makes so much sense to me. He said, I quit being a lawman so that I could be God's man. I could live free. And that, that kind of touches on grace, which I'll get, get to uh, a little bit later. But also, Paul says in Galatians 5.4, he said, you who are trying to be justified by the law are alienated from Christ, and you've fallen from grace. So what a lot of the, the strict religious Jewish people would do is they would try and say, because I do this, because I do this, because I do this, that makes me righteous. That's what brings me into the presence of God. But then Paul said, no, that's actually not, because if it's by anything that you've done, then Christ died in vain. There was no reason for Christ to come, die on the cross, if we can become right with God by the things that we've done. And again, that's where grace comes in, because it's not by anything that we have done or anything that we could do in the future. It's all because of what God has done for us. And so we rest in that grace, and we, and we live in that grace. 
So, again, faith, faith is not based on our feelings. Faith is not something that, you know, I feel, I feel the, this, you know, sensation of the Holy Spirit coming on me, or the, I feel this new life, but faith, faith can produce those feelings in our life. When we believe that we are a new creation in Christ Jesus and we start to live out of that new creation, we start to you know, be filled up with the Spirit, be being filled when we're in that state, feelings come. When we, if we've hurt ourselves or injured ourselves, we don't know that we're healed when we feel it. We know that we are healed when we pray and ask God or, or, or even speak to the situation. And we know that we know that that situation has changed. I love, as we were, when we were in Ramah, we had, we had Pastor Hagen. So I never, I've never seen Brother Hagen minister. I've heard a lot of the recordings and everything. We got to have Pastor Hagen. And Pastor Hagen is so blunt and to the point, And he's like, he's like, you know, the Bible settles it, says it, and that settles it. So if the Bible says it, if I can find it in the Word, that settles it. And that's where feelings can come from. When we, when we have faith in God's word, when we have faith that we've spoken to the situation, we've commanded it to change, and we start to see it change, that's quite often where the, where the feelings will begin to come. And again, bringing it back to what Pastor taught on during the offering, is when you give in faith, when you sow in faith, you'll start to see an increase. You'll start to see a change in your finances. And so it's a result of giving in faith. So it's, it's like you, you have the feeling or you, you see that changing. So I love this, I love this verse also that talks about the, the old way of life. And this is Ephesians 4. 20 through 24 in the Message Bible, says, but that's no life for you. You've learned Christ. My assumption is that you have paid careful attention to him, been well instructed in the truth precisely as we have in Jesus. Since then, we do not have the, the excuse of ignorance. Everything, and I do mean everything, connected to that old way of life has to go. And this is the part I love the most. He says, so he said, everything connected to that old way of life has to go. It's rotten through and through. Get rid of it. And then take on an entirely new way of life, a God-fashioned life, a life renewed from the inside, working its way, working itself into your conduct as God accurately reproduces his character in you. And that's the, that's the verse that I was talking about. When I, when I read and when I teach the kids, I said, a life renewed from the inside, working itself into your conduct as God accurately reproduces his character in you. And that is, in my, in my estimation, that is a perfect picture of the new creation. It's a life renewed on the inside, working its way to the outside, 
I remember I was reading a book a while back and it said, it said, you can always tell if it's a work of the devil or the work of Christ because the devil will always work from the outside and try and get, get inside. He always, you know, a thought comes from the outside and tries to get in your mental realm until you start to reason and think about it. Where if it's the Holy Spirit, something's going to rise up on the inside and you're going to start meditating that. And pretty soon there's going to be life and light to that and it's going to affect every part of you to the point where it affects your actions and behavior. So again, a life renewed from the inside and working itself into your conduct as God accurately reproduces his character in you. And that's Ephesians 4.24 in the Message Bible. So the new you, the new you is a God-fashioned life, like what we were just reading. Now, uh, as I was preparing to, I remember hearing, uh, I think it was Pastor Mark teach on this. He, he He said he was somewhere uh, they were visiting or something and <clears throat> excuse me <clears throat> can you get the oh, water for me um, <clears throat> he was somewhere and, and they had a, a potter uh, a potter's wheel and stuff and so he, he thought it'd be fascinating to watch the potter he's like you know God told Jeremiah to go down to the potter's house and so he's like I thought it was biblical to go to the potter's house but um I remember Pastor Mark telling this story about how he was watching and, and watching this potter and asking him, asking him questions. And he said, you know, in the process of, of creating that pot or that structure, if he finds any blemish in there whatsoever, that pot totally has to be destroyed. There is no, no way to salvage it at all and, and still have it maintained. So he said if, if at any point he's building this pot on the potter's wheel and he finds like an air bubble or something like that, he said, he said there's, no, there's no use in finishing it because it's going to be destroyed. And that's exactly what happened in our recreation. Is Christ said, or God said, there's nothing that can fix them. And the, I, I kept having this nursery rhyme come up about Humpty Dumpty and how you know they had to put them back together again. Well, no, God's not putting us back together again. He said, He said, No, there is no way to salvage you. We're just gonna total you, recreate you from the inside. And I'm like, man, that's that's powerful right there. Because it's not not recreated. And I know in, in one of Brother Hagin's books, he said, he said, You're not renovated like a mattress. I'm like, what does that mean? Did they really used to like rebuild mattresses and resell them. I'm like, that's just gross. But so so that that example didn't make sense to me. But but I started thinking about, it. yeah, we're not, it's not like a house that is stripped down to the studs and then everything built out. No, it totally, you totally had to be destroyed. And and again, we're talking about your spiritual man. And so you are completely new on the inside. And that new man is also by grace through faith. So the Bible says we could not earn it. There's nothing that we could do to earn it. Now, uh, Romans 4.4 4 says, Now to the one who works, pay is not considered a gift. So 
most of us have, have jobs or have had a job in the past. When you work, you expect payment. You don't just go to work and clock in and then say, hey, you know, if, if you feel like paying me this week, you can pay me. I mean, mo most of your bosses would probably love that because they'd be like, oh, yeah, the finances are tight this week. We, you know, whatever. We're, we'll just wait. No, when you work, you get paid. But the one who doesn't work, but, but the one who does not work, but believes on him who declares the ungodly righteous, his faith is credited for righteousness. So when, when we don't work, and all of a sudden we get a paycheck come in, we're like, man, that was unexpected. But that's exactly what God did for us. He said, he said you haven't done anything. Christ did it on your behalf. But guess what? You get to reap the benefits just like you did it. Just like you showed up. Just like you went to the cross. Just like you were raised to life again. That's how I see you. I see you the same way that, that I see Jesus Christ. Because everything that Jesus did for us, God credits to our account. And again, Galatians 2.20, and I think I read part of this earlier, but said, what actually took place is this. I tried working, working my head off. Yeah, I, I read that. So then I want to skip down to, to the second part of this. And it, and it says that I identified myself completely with Christ. Indeed, I have been crucified with Christ. And that's how God sees us. And then Paul says, my ego is no longer central, is no longer important that I appear righteous before you or before God because Christ lives in me. So it's not our appearance. It's not how we appear or come off that makes a difference. It's what Christ has actually done. So Paul said, it's not what I've done. It's not what, wh how I'm trying to act, but it's actually what Christ has done and how he has, he has put that life in us. So to introduce you to your new self and who you are, we look at Christ. The Bible says, watch what God has done and you do likewise. And that's Ephesians 5.1. I, I read that, that verse quite often when I'm, when I'm studying on how to be a good husband, how to be a good dad. Paul says, look at Christ. Watch what he's done, and then you do likewise. And mostly what God does is love. So the new you, the new created you, has a love bubbling up out of the inside of you. You know, your natural, your natural tendency away from God is to be self-focused or like self-motivated to, to make yourself better. But as soon as we are recreated in the life of God, now it's easy to love. It's easy to give of ourselves. And, and just like he said, look at God. Look at Christ as our example and do like what he does. And so quite often, as we're teaching our kids, like I said, we'll go through 1 Corinthians 13. And I, I personally love the Jack Hayford uh, 
version or translation of, of uh, 1 Corinthians 13, which I don't have time to read right now. But that is who we are. That is the new creation that, that he has made us to be. And Pastor Mark's quote on this is the best way, and so I'm going to end with this. But he says, he says, if you are not impressed with your new life, you just haven't seen yourself lately, or you haven't seen who you are lately. He said, you look a lot better in Christ than you do outside of Christ. So when, when you're looking at your life, when you're thinking about who you are, who you've become, find these verses. Uh, we've, we've learned from, from Brother Hagin, there's over 130 verses that talk about who we are in Christ. And Pastor Mark and Brother Hagin say, go through the New Testament, find those verses, highlight them, write them down, and then confess this is who we are. This is what we have been, uh, been made. This is who Christ has made us to be, as we are new creations in Christ Jesus. So with that, I just pray, pray over all of us that we see that new life in us. And, and again, the best way to see your new life in Christ Jesus, who you are, is to pay, pray the Ephesians prayers. And so with that, if you close your eyes, bow your head. Father God, I just pray for everyone here. God, that our lives would be touched and changed with your life. God, I thank you that it's not anything that we have done, but God, it's what Christ has done for us, that we are new creations in Christ Jesus. And Father God, I pray for a spirit of wisdom and revelation. God, that we would see and know who we are in Christ Jesus. God, that that truth, that that revelation would come alive in us. It would change us from the inside. God, that's what we desire, is to be changed from the inside so it flows out. Your character is built up in us, changes our actions, changes our behavior, changes what motivates us. God, we pray for a spirit of revelation on, on the truth of, the, of new creation. God, that as we read through the verses that talk about who we are, we would place ourselves in those verses, that you see us the same way you see Jesus Christ. God, I pray for everyone here that as we, as we go throughout our, our week, as we go throughout our life, God, that you would remind us by the Holy Spirit who we are, who you have created us to be. God, I thank you for your word. Your word is true and above all else. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen.